0: If you would open up with me to the book of Haggai we're still in chapter one if you're having trouble finding it which is okay it's a rather short book of the bible and in the pew bibles especially you know you, you pass over it in one page and you think uh-oh uh, it's okay table of contents is there for a reason You can find Haggai there and flip to it. I'm sorry, I don't have the page in front of me, but you'd be able to quickly find it as I'm giving a brief introduction to our text this morning. Book of Haggai. We're in a couple verses, 12 through 15. If you recall, we're in a new sermon series, Homecoming and Heart Checks, Serving God in the Present. And as I discussed last week, which is this first kind of part to this sermon series, uh, these people of God are coming home. They're home from the exile. There was a rather large empire who destroyed their home and took them away from it. And as God promised and worked, he brought them back. But things are different. They are not what they used to be. And more than that, as they are coming back into things, there is a heart check. That is needed for the people of God. They are, uh, they are not only not putting God first, uh, they are really, in a lot of ways, ignoring God and focusing in on themselves. And God, as He is working and revealing Himself, is, is pulling them away from those things. And as I discussed this kind of intro, what I didn't do, I saved it for this week, was give you a brief introduction to the cast and crew, right? Uh, who, who, who do we have here, and, and what are we talking about? Haggai, this, this minor prophet, he's, he's not really minor, right? He, he is a, a prophet of God. We call him minor because his text is shorter, right? The words that he gave, uh, we have a, a fewer of them. And so, if you were to compare it, for instance, to the size of Isaiah, uh, you wouldn't even be past the introduction to the book of Isaiah, when you're finished with Haggai, right? So it's not like Haggai is lesser uh, in work to Isaiah. It's simply a, a, a kind of like a length thing for our, for our text. But Haggai, this prophet, is speaking to these people, and, and there are some names that come up quite often. Zerubbabel. I desperately tried to name Carwin Zerubbabel, but Rebecca said no. It was just used too often. She didn't want a name that was used so much. Uh, that's a, that's a joke. Uh, anyway, uh, so Zerubbabel, uh, you know, it, it's this name that, you know, you know, you're like, ah, that name actually sounds a little familiar because I hear it all the time. But where do I hear it? You hear it in Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus. The reason why Zerubbabel is so important is that as God is bringing his people back, it's not just to bring them back to the land and say, hey, I told you. There is a grander plan here, a salvation plan. And if you are familiar with this Bible movement, this redemption narrative, you know that the plan is moving through the bloodline and lineage of King David. And who do we have here in Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel? But a descendant of David through Solomon. What a powerful testimony that not only does God bring back his people, he brings back the salvation narrative as well. It is continuing. And so Zerubbabel, this governor of the people, this leader, he's not a king, right? But he's functioning in this leadership role, is there and is working for the people. The spirit is stirring in him mightily. There's another though, Joshua, but not joshua who conquered the city of jericho right as the song goes no this is joshua the high priest many people know him because of his dirty clothes if you don't know what i mean type into google if you if you want to joshua in the dirty clothes and see what pops up and you'll see this very famous bible text out of the book of zechariah where uh, joshua the high priest is being accused by satan Well, that's not the only place Joshua is found. He is the priest. He is the intercessor, the pastor, as it were, of these people in this time, moving them into this land again. Also following in the lineage, not of David, but of Aaron, another covenant in which God said, I will keep this priesthood here as a revelation of what I am doing. Sacrifice to keep you clean. Then everyone stops there, but there's another piece to this puzzle. It's super important, and it is the people. God has brought a people back, and the people are being addressed. It's not just Zerubbabel. It's not just Joshua. The people take a primary role in this, and this is super important because it's not a leadership thing. Oh, well, my pastor, you know, I think he's like pretty righteous, so we're okay (laughs) What does that even mean? It doesn't make any sense. And and that's what God is saying here. Yeah, I've got Zerubbabel. Yes, I've got Joshua. But you must come along, my people. Come to me. Come and hear what I have to say. Actually, he says it a bit more explicitly. Consider your ways, what he says in the first part. So we've got these, these three groups. There is another group. You might call them the enemies or this kind of secular piece, but we'll get to that later. But, but these three pieces, these three people, uh, groups, they, they come back this time and they'll keep showing up. They are who we see here. And this brings us to our main point for today. As we consider all of these different pieces to God's redemptive plan, as Haggai is bringing his word, God's word that is, to these people. What in the world is going on? Well, we see something today. Where there is true belief, there is true action. Where there is true belief, there is true action. They cannot be divided. Where there is true belief, there is true action. Fact. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open up your word, as we read your word, by your spirit, pierce us. You tell us that the Holy Spirit wields this word like a two-edged sword, dividing bone and marrow, like a surgical scalpel go into us, stir in us like a wind in our heart. Change our hearts of stone to beating hearts that are alive. Use your word as you promise you will. Change us in Jesus' name, amen. This is Haggai chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, they God on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Remember our main point, where there is true belief, there is true action. We'll see it in three points today. The obedience of God's people, the presence of God himself, and the stirring of the Holy Spirit. May God be so good as to bless us In this movement now first where there is true belief there is true action as seen in the obedience of god's people in verse 12 and here is the first and very important question for this morning who or what do you obey who or what do you obey because it is something It's important that we begin to answer this question because we all humanity all of us are obeying someone or something and here are the biggies if you're having trouble kind of getting that out of the theoretical into reality here are some of the biggies self things persons or god generally speaking We are obeying one of those four things. For the self, usually it reveals itself in selfishness. That's a whole lot of selves, but maybe it makes sense, right? When you say it out loud. As you think about who you are or what you are obeying, if your life is wrapped up in keeping up with the Benjamins, right? Making all the money to get that bigger house or thing or whatever but but it's because you want it i want what i want and if i don't get it i'm going to be upset and i'm going to do everything i can to get what i want because i want it scripture is quite explicit when we start to use i too much typically there is a fall that comes next a very famous one is a king nebuchadnezzar look at all that i have done i have conquered the world i am sitting on the seat of power Boom! Right? The Lord turns him into a beast of the field. You know, not a real animal, but he looks like an animal and acts like one. Whoa! (laughs) What? You know, and and he doesn't do that to us now. But what a strong reality and image for us as we think about who we are obeying. It is so easy in this world. Think about all the ads and, and all of the treat yourself moments of this life nowadays, especially in America. Money, money, money is made on this part right here. How selfish are you? That's just one. There are others, things. I was just talking about money, 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 and all that money that is made. Well, a closely related thing to to obeying yourself is obeying things because you think you might be in control. I like this, so I am going to get it. That I quickly becomes into slavery as you have to have that thing great example are some of the you know kind of what we might call extremities but they're really not as extreme as you might think alcoholism addiction to pornography uh, uh drug addiction uh, also uh, uh, prescription medication there are uh, uh, people who are addicted very easily to things like uh, tv shows uh, i can't miss that can't miss my tv show you can miss a whole lot of other things you miss church on sunday morning Uh, You know, when it's raining, but you can't miss the TV show, right? Uh, You can't miss ball games, whatever it is, right? There's this intense moment where things, boom, hit, and your greed is accidentally revealed until it's not accidental anymore. And you're so captured by whatever the thing is that you can't get out of it, even if you thought about it, first of all, which you won't, because you will be enslaved. And even if you did, you'd be too bound up. You're stuck. You are obeying a thing enslaved by it, the word would tell us. What are you obeying? It might be a person. Uh, this is a little bit of a more tricky one. It could be out of jealousy or out of a need for authority. So uh, we are creatures who are made to obey, right? Creator-creature relationship. It's pretty basic to the reality of humanity, okay? There is going to always be an authority, and we'll try to replace the Lord with any given thing, and sometimes they're people. It could be a boss that you want to be like. Wow, I respect that person. Therefore, I want to do everything that person does. Dress like him or her. Uh, you know maybe get the same education style might read the same things Uh, celebrities you know i want to be like this celebrity so i need to buy those shoes right and so then oh there's the thing oh there's the self oh now it's a person right because a person just told you to buy the shoes and you did it you didn't even try them on to see if they were comfortable you just dropped how much ever money you didn't even know because the celebrity had it right it sounds so ludicrous to say in this room right now where we're talking but it happens all the time and it happens to us there's another piece to the puzzle though because even as we look at people that we think wow I want to be like that person I need to do those things Oh, I'm also jealous of xyz therefore I need to do these things to be a more powerful be have more stuff or, you know, uh, assert some kind of power or domination over that person so I can be better. Or, or whatever, whatever measurement you want to use, right? So it's crazy, this spectrum. Be like this person. Hate this person. Maybe both. Because when you think about it in our sin, we actually don't make a lot of sense in our brains, right? When you look in the mirror and you think, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? It makes no sense, right? But it happens. And that's sin. And it makes no sense because us in this room, I pray, are those who are confessing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is another thing, a person that we can be obeying, that can be our authority. And it is God himself. God seeks to bring us out of these things by giving us his very word and his messengers, the prophets. Verse 12 is quite explicit Listen to this, the word that is given and the messengers. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant, right, those three groups, right, obeyed the voice of the Lord. They obeyed the voice. That means God is speaking. And, right, there's, a, there's an and. It's not, a, it's not a this is what this is, right? Haggai talked and it was the voice. This is God speaking and then and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. So he's drawing them out of these things, because remember, just a few verses before, and if you weren't with us then, just look back in verses 1 through 11. They were stuck on the things. They wanted the paneled houses. The paneled houses? What? You know, you think about it, it's just so crazy, but but we do the same stuff. If only I could have this one thing. You know, when I was in high school, yes, it's embarrassing. I'm not going to act like it's not, but it is what it is. You know, all of, the, all of my friends, you know, we had to have like a cool audio system in our car, right? Man, we had to have the Beats, yeah? You know, so we could drive to Walmart. Where's Rebecca at? So we could drive to Walmart and Sonic. That's all the places that Fayetteville had. Uh, just Walmart and Sonic. But you had to have the audio system, right? Or it wasn't enough. You know, it, the paneled houses, you know, the what, you know, but, but boom, you're wrapped up. And it seems so innocent, but it's not. It's deadly. And God says as much in verses 1 through 11. It, boom, pulls us out. And they obey as God is speaking. This is the power of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I was talking about that stirring God stirs in us this wind that crosses across our heart, this supernatural moment. There are many phrases for it in the scriptures, being born again, a new creation, stones of uh, hearts of stone to hearts of flesh, a new man, a new woman, right? We, we have all of these different images uh, of the dry bones, Ezekiel 37, right? Where uh, them bones, them bones, them dry bones, right? They rise up and God... Whew, blows his spirit on them do you remember check it out if you haven't seen it it's powerful but as we see these phrases and these images there is a moment where what we see is the gospel the good news of of what Jesus is doing which is breaking us out of our prisons to people and to things and to self and as he breaks us out, he doesn't just open the door. He demolishes everything. So even if we don't want to go because we don't know what's going on, he grabs us by the hand and walks us out. That's the good news. That's what Jesus came to earth to do. He lived that perfect life. And he died that sacrificial death so he could abolish The powerful slavery of sin in God's people's lives that we might wake up and we might live lives that are right and good and after the Lord. If we would use the words here, obeying the voice of the Lord, obeying, doing that which God asks True action in the form of obedience to God's word is a mark of true belief. There is no way around it. It is what it is. Secondly, where true belief is found, there is true action in the very presence of God. Verse 13, you know, verse 12, we love, right? Oh, the people obeyed. I can obey. I know that I can serve the Lord, but I might remind you of the danger of the personal pronoun I. And what happens if we keep saying I, I can do this. Oh, I will obey as these people did. I will do such things. No, we always want to be the active ones. When I use a main point like where there is true belief, there is true action. We think the action is talking about us. Oh, I'm going to do something. That's what he means. That's not what I mean. That's secondary to God's action on our behalf. All right? We who are the followers of God must acknowledge where all action begins. God himself and his movement, his action towards his people. And when he moves towards his people, two things happen. Comfort and power. Notice it in verse 13. Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. Of all the things that he could say, I am with you. Of all the promises in Scripture, this one comes up so often, right? I am with you. I am with you. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Our God... He is here. Our God is present. He is ever-present. Our God is with us. Our God descended. Our God is here. He is moving in front of us. He is behind us. The cloud, the pillar of smoke, the, the fire, all of these things. God is with us, right? Over and over. God's people constantly say it. God is with us. God says, I am with you. And this action from God brings us comfort in salvation because that is our biggest need if god doesn't move toward us we're done it's over into the game we cannot get to god without a movement of god to us and that is our greatest need that is the need everything else is secondary and god does it I am with you. And if God is with us, that means that there must be something in between us and God. Because think about it. If God is with us and he is perfect and all powerful and we are imperfect with no power, we would be destroyed when we come into the presence of God. And so how can he be with us unless he has taken care of our imperfection? By the working of his son, Jesus, who is the great mediator, the great intercessor, the one standing in between. You know, when God spoke from the mountain as he's giving the Ten Commandments, the people run for the hills. They roll out. God starts talking. They run. Moses says, no, don't do that. God's speaking. We should listen. And God said, no, Moses, they're right. Without a mediator, they're done. Moses interceded and revealed the Lord Jesus. And time and time again in the Old Testament, we see these promises. This Messiah, this coming son of David, this promised prince of peace who is coming into the world. What's he going to look like? We don't know. What's he going to do? He's going to save us. We do know that, and he did it on the cross at Calvary. Jesus completed the work. And because of that, we have comfort when God says, I am with you. But also, God says, I am with you, and this action gives us power. When God is with us, when the Holy Spirit stirs like a wind across the heart, when we are changed, born again, new man or woman, new creation, all of these different phrases, as as we think about this, There is a moment when the prison, the sin of slavery, boom, it's all gone. And and as we move in the light of the Lord Jesus, we now have power to do that which is right. And so where there is true belief, there is true action, first from God, secondarily from his people. Just as we saw in our first point, as God is working, we are comforted because he takes action towards us. But as that action is taken, we then have capability by him. And and actually the scriptures are even more explicit. He even sets up good stuff for us to do. And my stuff isn't your stuff, isn't your stuff, isn't yours. He sets this whole thing in motion that as we are believing there are good things that we might move forward in. Righteous works that will reveal the Lord Jesus and bring others in as God has called us to do it powerful. And so when God says I am with you, there is comfort and there is power. On to our third point. Where true belief is found, there is true action in the stirring of the Holy Spirit, verses 14 and 15. When when thinking from the bird's eye view, okay? So let's think about our belief in the Lord Jesus and zoom out Okay? When thinking from the bird's eye view, the flow of events for the Christian, they're almost never complicated. We can always get complicated in the nitty gritty, okay? Our lives are complicated. They're stressful and difficult for us to know because we're not all knowing and it raises our anxiety and our frustration and all of that stuff, okay? But as you zoom out for the Christian and we think about just what in the world's going on, this is what happens. And it's exactly what happens in Haggai here God speaks, we obey, God is with us, and we are stirred by his presence. That's what happens for every Christian. God speaks, we obey. God is with us and we are stirred by his presence. We see that in verses 14 and 15, primarily 14. The Lord stirred up not only the leader spirits, right? Spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Remember the one thing they weren't doing in verses 1. 11, the one thing they should have been going after. The Holy Spirit stirs the leaders. This wasn't just the pastor, this was the spiritual and secular leaders, church and state, Sunday and Monday through Saturday, okay? He's stirring it all on the leadership side. More importantly, the Holy Spirit is also stirring the the people. This is what I was mentioning before. God cares more. Listen well when I say this. God cares more about his people than his leaders. God cares more about y'all than me. Okay, this is this is from God. This is his word. It's not my opinion. Jesus has famous words on this. The first shall be last and the last First, Jesus took the form of a servant, Philippians 2. Paul calls those called into ministry slaves of Christ, Romans. Peter tells the leaders of the church to be humble and not overbearing, 1 Peter 5. God tells us Moses, that great leader of the Old Testament, was the humblest man in the entire world at the time. No one more humbly, It wasn't exaggeration. Oh, he's the greatest guy I know. That's not what that is. It's a fact that Moses was the most humble. There is a reality that plays out where God cares more about his people than the leaders and his desire is to see his people succeed and it's the only reason that leaders exist in the first place. He raises these people up that they might serve. That they might not to be served, that they might serve the people of God. So what are you doing? What are you doing? You are the most important. Devotion is not for your pastor. It is for God's people. Service is not for your pastor. It is for God's people. Obedience is not for your pastor. It is for God's people of which I am one. But what are we doing at Centennial? Don't just make a list and try to justify or condemn, just answer the question. Belief in God was never the stopping place for his people. Belief in God was and is and will be always the start to a new life. Think about the most famous salvation narrative, being born again. That's what Jesus tells this very old man, got to be born again. The concept is that he's a baby growing up, right? How can I be a baby again? You know, my mom's long gone. You know, this kind of concept, Nicodemus, he doesn't get it at first. But that's the reality, right? It's a start. You can't have much more of a start than a baby, you know? Uh, But that's the reality of salvation, belief in God. It's always the start. It's where we begin to listen and obey God's word, Enjoying the comfort and the powerful presence of God. And it's where we are stirred into action by the Holy Spirit. God is doing it here. I would not lie. I would tell you if He wasn't. But He is. And so we rejoice and we look to see what's next. But we must be obedient. We must acknowledge the Lord and his movement. It is of utmost importance. There is nothing more important in the world than that for us, we who believe in the Lord Jesus. Partner with one another, not just with me, with the people of God here. Let us obey and see just what the temple building is for us today. It's a heart check. Could be a hard one could be an exciting one probably both if we just wanted to be sober about it and as we move forward i believe that we will serve god in the present let's pray heavenly father lord thank you thank you for your word oh god thank you for your action towards us now help us to be active as we go from here but before then May we sing praises and loud unto your name, for you are good. Your steadfast works, they endure forever. And so we sing and worship you now, in Jesus' name, amen.